I'm rather busy. Now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. So I know on this and our other podcast, Trek About, we tend to talk about, you know, straight people drama and how much we hate that. And I've realized that Charmaine's plot in these episodes, and in general, is total straight people drama that she's making for herself. And I think I love her plot line because the show knows how ridiculous it is. Yeah, I think that that's actually really true. Yeah, I mean, she is going through all of this bullshit about, oh, I want my fancy wedding, I want my ring, I want my handsome husband, and getting in, she's, Charmaine is getting into a marriage that she's not going to have any passion for. And again, all the characters around know it's bullshit. Everybody knows that she's really interested in Neil and... I mean, I really like that. His weird little bod. I love that scene, though, because for whatever reason, what Charmaine actually wants is very far from the magazine ideal. Whatever, you know, whoever Neil is and from what we've seen about him, he's a sweet, decent guy. He and Charmaine do have a bit of chemistry, let's say. You know, they they are – if if Charmaine were thinking sanely, she and Neil would have been dating since the Todd Rundgren concert, but – because she wants the perfect life, she's not she's not able to to get to that, and we're about to, we're we're very close to finding out some of the roots of why Charmaine is Charmaine at this point. But I'm going to go with lobotomy. It could be. I, I think that that's right, and I think that one of the things that 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 makes me realize or, or think about is kind of what the overarching theme of this season mm-hmm. really is. I think that's coming into, to, into yes. it's crystallizing now that we are halfway through the season. And I will that, say it's a lot clearer. I, I This is a lot more focused season in a lot of ways than the first one was. It is. And I don't, I don't like it as much as the first Interesting. season. And in okay. particular, I don't like Tornado, mm. uh, but it, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, We'll kind of talk about that as we talk about it, but as we've said, we've kind of given up pretending these are separate episodes. Yeah, and and so or Toronto, I think Toronto. it's supposed to be. Um, it's also weird because it's actually spelled tor- tornado on Netflix, which yeah. I'm convinced is a meta commentary on the joke in the episode. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, I think that really what what the the theme of the season is sort of crystallizing around is all of these characters are trying to convince themselves that they want things that they don't that they don't actually want. Uh, you know, Charmaine is yeah. trying to convince herself that she wants Nick and not Neil. Tara is trying to convince herself that she's well when she's not. You know, Max is trying to convince himself that he wants to leave Tara or something. His his is still a little nebulous. Yeah. Marshall obviously was trying to convince himself that he was straight or that he was bisexual or whatever. And Kate is... I don't know that she's really her, the one. That her doesn't... theme is gonna come a little further into the the Princess Valhalla is going to get into another step. Yeah, and I think that really what what Kate's is kind of the outlier there. Where I think Kate knows who she is. I just don't think that she knows what she wants in general. And that... it's not like she's trying to convince herself that she wants something that she doesn't want. But it, it, it's very clear so far this season, and I think especially in in um, the the first episode, doing time is that. Kate is really at loose ends and doesn't have much yeah. to do. Uh, you know, it's not incidental that she is apparently smoking a lot of pot now when yeah. she wasn't in the first season. She's just kind of in a room, like getting high on the computer. You know, she doesn't really have anything to do. So, well, there's the I, I, I guess what, what's when she and Marshall are watching this video and. You know, he's making, oh, the pony looks fake, and she starts, oh, well, that's because we're subverting, and we're the 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 
heroine arc. And she doesn't really have an answer. She just kind of peters out because it, this was obviously— Because she's high. Well, the, I mean, it, and you can see the exact—that circ- was the circumstances in which the video was created. She and Linda P. Frazier got very stoned, put on a video camera. She put on the costume and started dancing and just— Linda started throwing out props to her. I mean, it's a funny scene, which they probably had a great time making it, but it's true. There isn't exactly anything deep about it. They're trying to – the meaning of Princess Valhalla Hawkwind is going to – it changes a bunch throughout the series. Initially, again, it was created as this kind of archetype for Linda to – something she aspired to be to, again, white and pretty, quote-unquote – then it became for her that I'll always be her this archetype of empowerment and you know strength and all of that and for when Kate says oh well you know people will buy posters of this oh let's make a movie now it's becoming something just very commercialized and slick and shallow in a way yeah and I think that that I mean that may be all we can really say about it in this episode of the podcast because you know she doesn't really have much to do in these two episodes I mean certainly the idea of the video is there and certainly the idea that I think the video was supposed to indicate to, to the audience that Kate is looking for something that she doesn't really... I mean, she's kind of looking for something she doesn't really know what she wants. And she's just hanging out with this woman that she thinks is cool. Yeah. She's very... um, You know, I think... I I like the fact that they capture very well the sort of panicked, you know, multiple calls to people. You know, where are you? Why aren't you calling (laughs) me back? Oh, cool. She just didn't. She found her, lost her phone charger. Okay. You know, she's all right. Everything's cool. Yeah, we're fine. You know, like that kind of thing. I think there's all these really subtle implications that Linda P. Frazier is not a responsible adult good role model for uh, Kate, the uh, the pot smoking being one of them. But, you know, she's losing her charger. She's not paying her bill. You know, the, all of this. I think it's really funny that Kate is still lamely holding – does Kate even, number one, work for the collections agency anymore? I don't know. But she says at one point, you know, this is for my job. I have to get mo- – I have to help Linda P. Frazier get money so that she'll be able to pay the bill. Ba- like it's obvious bullshit that that's just – Oh, yeah, in the beginning of, of the second episode. Uh, yeah, when, when she's she's grounded at this point and that's how she's justifying – Oh, it's for work. It's a project for school. It's it's everybody knows what a lame excuse that is. Yeah. Well, I think that's it's strange because, you know, we talk about these episodes a lot of time in in kind of all all together. And I don't know that that works necessarily for this week. I mean, we (laughs) kind of said, oh, we're going to dispense with that. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of thinking like these two are very like doing time is very much more in the same vein that the show has really come into, which is it does have one plot, which is kind of self-contained, which is that Max gets arrested. But, you know, Toronto really does have a very self-contained plot where everybody is in the same room for most Hmm. of it. And again, I don't I don't really like either of these episodes. I I like doing time a little more, but Toronto seemed a little unfocused to me in a way that the show hasn't really felt unfocused since very early. And especially given that it's a bunch of people in a room, you would think that it has a, it's not because, I mean, you mentioned that early last, last week that, oh, it's a pretty self-contained. It takes a while before they're in the basement. It's not like it's a two minute thing. And then they're in the basement for it. It's, it felt like almost like around the halfway point that it gets there. 
Yeah, it really isn't for very long. I mean, I think it's probably for like ten minutes. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I don't know what the I don't know what the point of that was, and I think that's really what uh, uh, you know we need to grapple with to some degree because. Yeah. If you are going to do a sort of set piece like that where everybody is in the same room, it seems, I mean, aside from the fact that Shoshana tells everyone that uh, 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 Charmaine's baby is not Nick's, nothing really comes out of that experience. I mean, yeah, they dance and it's cute and Charmaine has a little panic attack and Tara decides to walk off into the sunset. Yeah. But aside from that, I don't know what the thematic resonance of that was. This, I mean, as, yeah. Aside from the fact that, okay, well, you know, Tara's the tornado and she's destroying everyone's lives. <laughs> I mean, you could do that, but... I, it, I know. It seems like they're going to set up for Shoshana is going to appear and, you know, direct everybody into this moment of truth and group catharsis and everybody's going to open up, but then they dispense with that. And maybe and, that is the point. Maybe that's what the show is trying to hmm. do. But to to me, it's a lot more interesting to just like, I don't know, I feel like there's a there's a certain way that you can sort of subvert those storytelling tropes by saying, well, life is not that neat. Everybody in a basement suddenly doesn't have, you know, great revelations about their lives, but it still needs to be interesting to watch. Yes. And I don't know that it is. (laughs) I mean, I, I guess the character of Shoshana looms very large in both of these episodes. These are... Yeah, and I, I think, yeah, I mean, we need to deal I, with her because she's very annoying. Well, she's... It's interesting. So, I guess where I'm comparing her to... Uh, I'm thinking a lot about her in context to Dr. Ocean because the two of them react to similar situations extremely differently. So, Dr. Ocean, number one, realizes she's not quite exactly qualified to deal with Tara in this way and ultimately passes her off to another doctor. Um, And meanwhile, when Max comes to Dr. Ocean, panicked at her, she talks him down but says, like, because I I can't ethically talk to you. We're, you know, we need to deal with this, so come into my office in a group session. And she has some very strict, she works very strictly to go within her, her, her professional code of ethics. Yeah. Um, Shoshana, when Max comes to her, professes all about, I can't, my ethics, I have to keep this separate, and begins regularly counseling Mar- Max. And also what she does about telling about Charmaine's secret about Neil is extraordinarily unethical. She, and I guess this brings to the question of, can Tara's alter be, be Tara's psychologist? No. <laughs> See, yeah, I, I I think the show is very clear on that the answer is no, although to some degree it's not the – I'm not necessarily sure if uh, – the, psych- the psychiatric aspects, the medical aspects, neither Tara nor any of her authors uh, – uh, nor, neither Tara nor any of her alters are medically qualified. That That much is obvious. That said, Buck is an obstetrician. That's true, um, but that still doesn't mean he can prescribe uh, psycho- psychiatric drugs to her, um, or at least not accurately. But he can deliver her baby. Yes. Um, psych. So yeah, medically, n- no. But psychologically, you can assume that Tara has number one read about as much literature on her condition as exists. She's been in and out of therapists. Um, while she may not be a psychologist, she has become a de facto expert on the subject of disassociative identity disorder. And I think as we were saying last week, when you've been in therapy for a while, you kind of get the patterns of therapy in 
in yourself, and it kind of frames how you are. So I do think a degree of Tara being able to counsel herself and learn things about her own condition, I mean, certainly none of the doctors who are helping her are able to have that much insight into her, so why not? Um, well, I think- And yet, I mean, we're even, these these flashbacks that out that Tara is having are going to go somewhere. They are legitimate memories that are resurfacing. But this, but when Tara's telling Max, I've had all these breakthroughs. I'm giving memories. Okay, what are they? Well, it's not really... Fu- I mean, it sounds like Tara's bullshitting him. And yeah. in a way, she kind of is. Well, I think that... Um, I mean, she is bullshitting Max. Yeah. I think that, that, I mean, you know, Max is a hard character because he is kind of at loose ends in, in this season as well as he was last season. And his, his role is... I mean, interestingly enough, I think the show is, is doing something kind of interesting with Max where it's subverting the normal... Uh, you know, gender stereotypes and, and Max is really in the supportive mm-hmm. role. He's really not the protagonist of the show in any way, yeah. shape or form. And, you know, he's in, in, in some sense, you could say he is in the, the traditionally feminine role. But aside from that, I think that Shoshana is interesting to me, not because she's acting as terrorist therapist, because that is patently ridiculous. Yes. It, it And not that she's breaking confidences or, or violating med- medical ethics, because again, Shoshana, Sean Baum is not, an actual yes. psychologist, but it is interesting to me because the purpose of the alters in the first season, at least, and the purpose of the alters, you know, kind of in general seems to be to protect Tara from things yeah. and to solve problems that arise that maybe Tara doesn't necessarily know how to handle or, or whatever, right? It becomes yeah. a pattern of behavior. And, they use this term like carving grooves in your psyche. It's almost like that kind of thing where it may not even be that the alters are necessarily needed at this point, but that's just kind of how Tara responds to yeah. interpersonal problems. You know, the, the alters come out and fix it for her. So she's not equipped to do it. But Shoshana is different. You know, Shoshana yeah. is causing problems. And Shoshana is, I, I, I think that well, the, key, the key thing here is that for most of, I think that maybe for all of Shoshana's appearances, the implication has been that Tara is is co-conscious with yeah. her. And so Tara is not in control of what Shoshana is doing. She's not really guiding the actions or the words of Shoshana, but she is there. She is she does know that she's doing yeah. it. And in a way, I think that Shoshana takes that information and and does things that she perhaps thinks Tara wants to do but won't. Yeah. But it's a fine line to cross, and also the fact of the matter is, I don't necessarily. Th- we've we've the show has been very good at treating the alters as real people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we're supposed to view Shoshana as a real person either. Uh, she is a amalgamation based on a book that Tara yeah. read. And yes, the gay neighbor says that she's very close to the real Shoshana without a lisp. And I love that. Yeah, a little a, line about please don't tell Tara that. The, but but at the same time, it it doesn't really mean anything. And is he being truthful? I don't know. I mean, yeah, it could be as simple as she's. I mean, there's obviously a book jacket cover, and you know the way that she's she probably speaks how Shoshana writes. Shoshana might. Speak 
talk very, you know, somewhat different. And it could it could even be based on the fact that yeah, cause she didn't get the voice accurate, of course, because she didn't know that yeah. Shoshana talked the lisp. And you know, I mean, if the book was written in the seventies and the book jacket said Shoshana Shawnbaum was born in Brooklyn in nineteen forty two, you know, you kind of know what she's going to sound. Yeah, like. uh, the, that she is working on a couple of stereotypes, certainly, but. Um, what I love about uh, – again, the show goes very much into costuming and props and stuff. I love I, I love Shoshana because of her outfits. Um, she dresses actually very similar to how my old therapist dressed, uh, the very, you know, kind of loose, slightly hippie-ish dresses. But um, I love the implication that this was just a dress that was in the house or something like that. Maybe it was in the Multiple closet. Multiple dresses. Yeah, exactly. So maybe he had – I don't know. Maybe he was a cross-dresser. Mm. Could be. Well. Yeah, I, I, I think so. But, I mean, maybe we should talk about um, about Max then because I feel like we've been giving short shrift to Max. And in this episode especially, I, I, I think that, um, you know, in, in doing time at least, it's really coming home to roost for him. And mm. I think it's really starting to, to hit Tara exactly how little she's been around and yeah. what the hell has Max been doing, essentially. And of course, you know, she crashes the car and Shoshana comes or was it Shoshana that came out? Yeah. Or she was co-conscious with Shoshana and Shoshana was helping her. And um, that's when she said, you know, you never crash the car. You must be wanting to. Right. Which interesting how that echoes the scene between uh, Neil and Max, where Neil basically says very similarly, you've never gone off on somebody like that. This is very unusual for you. Uh, both Max and Tara are unprecedented. Yeah, both Max and Tara are acting erratically, even for Tara. Everyone's acting erratically. Yeah. I mean that—that's really what it comes down to: well, is that everyone in the show in this season is acting erratically. Well, and, and that's the thing that Kate notices during the you know Aunt Jemima, Mrs. Butterworth, you know conversation. She gets to the point when she's she's joking around, you know, because she's very high about. Oh, you know, you're fucked up because, you know, Marshall's banging a dude, banging a girl. And, you know, Charmaine has, you know, this. And Jesus, we're a very fucked up family. Right. And getting that crushing moment of, and neither neither Charmaine nor Marshall can really say, no, we're okay. I mean, because they know that's bullshit. But there is that that sort of revelation at the end of the episode that, that the sisters were protecting each other. Yeah. Right? And, and so... We don't know what that means. We don't really understand. But Charmaine seems to remember it. Yeah. Uh, the implication being, of course, that this may be the precipitating event for Tara's DID. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why she doesn't remember it. But Charmaine remembers it. Yeah. And, you know, if it does come to pass that Charmaine did have sort of the key, quote unquote, to, to Tara's mm-hmm. condition all this time, that doesn't seem like a great thing for their relationship. Well, but it is as uh, she whether or not how, – how accurately we want to take the psychology between Shoshana's remark that, you know, you lie all the time. That lie had to come somewhere and you've been just doing it since you were a kid and it's become a habit. Um, number one, the implication is that Charmaine's just been doing this for so long that she doesn't even remember the precipitating event and she doesn't know why she's lying. But it is true. It's something I never – I didn't completely click on until Shoshana said it. But yeah, Charmaine is a pathological liar in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and um, and maybe maybe she just is a pathological. Liar. Yeah, and again, the implication is that some event in their childhoods caused Charmaine to start lying and very much wanting to keep appearances, and ultimately, you know, now that she's around thirty years old, this has just become who she is as a person. Which I suppose makes sense if you if you have 
you know, your only sister be someone who has this very erratic mental condition that causes them to act Mm -hmm. erratically. You know, even if we can, I mean, I'm not using that as an pejorative sense. I mean, it really just from, from the outside perspective, Tara's actions would seem erratic, even Mm -hmm. though they do have sort of a rhythm to them and a reason to them. At the very least, Tara has been ill for most of her life and, Charmaine very much wants to project an image where she's in a family where nobody is ill. Yes. Yeah, I think so. And I think that that is is really what it comes down to is that Charmaine wants to appear uber normal to make Mm -hmm. up for everything that Tara has done. As she's she's talking very much about the wedding photos. And that's the I want to have my wedding photos with Nick and my wedding night with Neil. That's kind of a that's a very important phrase for the show. A lot of people who as you said, a lot of people are trying to be something they're not in this season. They want their outside image, but then in their real world, they do whatever. Right, right. Well, that's a good opportunity for us to talk about Marshall then. Mm. It It is kind of... I, now I want to call her Shoshana again from Girls, but Courtney is intense. I feel very bad for the two of them. I think if the two of them had been a little older and more emotionally mature and aware... They probably would never have started dating, but they might have been very good friends. Yeah. I mean, they definitely would not have started dating. They may do – they do work well as – you know, I, I think when Shish, when Courtney is saying we're a really good team, we're working on this literary thing, yeah, that probably is something Marshall is good at. The two of them are very good at that. Which, did they mention that before? That seemed to come out of nowhere. The literary journal. It just seems like the kind of thing the they zine. do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's not going to be like a pretentious high school zine. It's going to be different. <laughs> Meanwhile, Lionel is on Marshall's bed. Yeah. OMG. Yeah. Reading Persons Magazine, <laughs> which I loved. But yeah, I I, I mean, Mar- Lionel really wasn't in either of these episodes very long. But the fact that, that he's still around, is, and he's I think it's par- more just like the show's way of you know reminding us that Lionel exists. And, and again, subtly, that's not he and Lionel have been hanging out by themselves. Yeah. I mean, you don't. Just make yourself yeah. comfortable in someone's bed if you don't know them pretty well. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, these are teenagers, so. No, but I mean, you know, I, I didn't just ha- – uh, certainly I would hang out in my friend's rooms and on their bed even if it wasn't, uh, you know, a romantic thing. But that was with good friends of mine. Richard's on my bed right now. Yeah, it's fun. But, yeah, I think that that – I want to call her Shoshana too. It's yeah. really hard. Courtney um, is – I don't necessarily – like her but i think it's more to do with the fact that my sympathies lie with marshall yeah and i think marshall is just exasperated by the situation marshall doesn't know what to do and anytime he tries to break up with her she refuses again her in a few years will probably be fine she's 15 16 too she's going through her own shit and one of my one of my favorite um one of my favorite lines about breaking up and i don't remember where it's from it might be from dan savage or someone he said like breaking up is not like launching nuclear missiles you don't need to both turn your key yeah like you know like but but when you're 15 it kind of feels like that yeah i mean it could just as easily be like no you're not you know he just needs to avoid her for a couple weeks he's inviting her to his house or she's right. tagging along to his house at least and he's not saying no and i mean i like that her solution is they're going to be a celibate power couple <laughs> which where did she get that idea from? i mean like you think about people like the clintons or fdr and eleanor and like it's, it's something like that is well, what I she wants more like I mean, there were gay men that married Certainly. women, so I'm kind of thinking. I mean, you know, it's a little different, but 
Also, Eleanor and FDR had lots of hot sex. What no, they hated about? each other. Well, whatever. Really After like he hooked up with the secretary, she based, she, he basically had a conversation where she said, listen, I want to get my shit done. I'm not going to make a scandal out of this, but we're not in the same room together ever. And he died with the secretary at his resort. It was a very different time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that... that uh, you know, Courtney is is sad, yeah, and and Courtney is also not really sure what she's doing. I don't yeah. know why she's invested in this so much, but at the same time, it's, even for a minor character, the theme of she's trying to want maybe want something that she doesn't actually want, or who knows? I don't know. But well, Courtney is somebody who is extraordinarily curious is a, curious about sex to the degree where she knows what dogs in a bathtub are and has a purse full of condoms. And yet she's also somebody who is terrified of sex. Yeah. Um, again, she's 15. She's that, that's, that's fine. She, so part of the reason I think she picks Marshall is because Marshall feels very safe to her. Marshall is, and if Marshall is indeed interested in women, as he implies that he might be in at the LGBTQ meeting or whatever, um, or at least LGBTQ O W O W or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, what he says in that we, you know, we as adults, adult, adult gay men who are watching this as a TV show, know what Marshall is meaning. It could very obviously be her reading. Oh, he's interested in women, but he's safe. And I think she's very invested in this because this is her first relationship. This is the guy that she half lost her virginity to. And, she doesn't. She doesn't seem well, like. Well, they did, didn't they? They did have sex. It's implied that neither of them came, and that well, he was still. only. He wasn't really hard, and all of that kind of. If we're stuff. talking about mature adult people, then you know that you don't have to have an orgasm to have sex. No, I know, but it also helps if you have an erection, and it was again implied that he didn't. <laughs> um, either way, it was not the experience that she imagined. Perhaps it would be, and. I don't think she's a person who's very comfortable with failure or about things not working right. Again, she has a very – you can tell she's extremely ambitious. Again, she's not just saying a celibate couple. A celibate power couple is specifically yeah. what she wants to do. She thinks she and Marshall can take over that school in a year and they're going to be you know, the prom king and queen and they're going to be on the student council together. You can see her plans right, with right. him and – Marshall breaking up with her means all those plans have to be redone. And it's one of those things that, you know, you could say, well, why do they want to be like, why is they, why are they both so invested in this relationship that's been going on for like two weeks? Yeah. And again, I think that just goes to the sort of intensity that you feel yeah. when you're 15. I yeah. mean, you know, I was looking through my emails today and I was like, that was a month ago. How the hell did it felt like it was two days ago? Yeah. And you know, when you're 15, everything feels like it's so urgent and you know, you meet somebody and you're like best friends in like five minutes and yeah, you know, that just doesn't happen. It's anymore. the kind of thing where they're going to meet each other in 10, 15 years and be like, what the fuck was that? You know, and find it very funny. But for now they're in, I mean, the second episode is about a tornado and then everything's calm. That's where, that's where all the characters are, but that's where Courtney and Marshall are. Yeah, well, I think that that's actually a good point because if that is, in fact, the turning point of the season and if the last six episodes of the season are the various characters getting their shit together, mm-hmm. uh, then that will be a nice 
thematic structure for the entire season yeah. as a whole. I mean, it remains to be seen if that's actually going to be what the season turns out to be, but it seems like it could be at this point. I mean, the indication being, of course, that Max is over his uh, violent outburst, that Marshall is over his brief flirtation with heterosexuality, that Tara is, if not better than at least understanding where her condition is coming from a little more, mm-hmm. that Charmaine is... Going for who she actually wants to be with. Well, she's not doing that yet, but she's being a little more honest yeah. about it. And that's kind of the first step. Kate, again, is the wild card. I don't really know where Kate's story... I mean, I do know where Kate's storyline is going because I've seen the show before. Yeah. But, you know, watching it now, it's like, where is this going? I don't... You know, it, it's hard to say. It's the one thing that doesn't really fit into the rest of the show at this point. But I think... That's one of the things I really do like about it because, again, these are young teenage characters who have no idea who they are and who have grown up in a chaotic family situation. They're going to latch on to whatever feels vaguely stable, and even when it starts to cream out of control, they're going to fucking hang on to that because that's something – you know, Kate stayed at Barnaby's for way longer than she maybe should have because this was a way out of her home and this is where she worked and this was what she – I mean, it's the again, you talk about a month is nothing. I mean, I, I work with people who are much younger than me, and you see the way that they're like, this is my life. And I'm at a point where I'm like, if the job starts to suck, I can get another job. I've had a lot of jobs in my time. Right. You know, there is a certain amount of insight that and wisdom that comes with age that Kate and Marshall just don't have yet, but aren't. Are are they just need to grow up? But I think the fact that Lionel's hanging out in Marshall's mm-hmm. room is a is a good sign. Well, Marshall at least knows that he needs to. He hasn't made that final step to realizing that staying with Courtney is ultimately in the long run going to be crueler. She's going to get over him, you know, in six months, but or a shorter amount of time. <laughs> I mean, honestly, let's not you know overstate the case here. I don't know. I feel like if anybody's gonna take the breakup hard, it'll be. Um, speaking of taking the breakup hard, uh, Max and Pammy. Yeah. That's, that was, that was a pretty difficult scene. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what Max was thinking there. And and I I think that Max is losing it a little bit. Yeah. It, 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 give her like, what do you give her? Like 50 bucks. 50 bucks. Okay. Give her 50 bucks. So that's insulting. Yeah. On so many ways. I, 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 yeah, and and I'm not sure if he thought that she was going to be grateful for getting money because she's a bartender. I, I, don't... I, I mean, you think there there is an amount of you know, I classism here. Um, well, is there though? I mean, I'd say yeah, because Max. I don't think Max or Tara went to college. No, and, but and Max does manual labor for a living. But he owns his own gardening little company. He has enough money to buy a house and flip it. He. He's his own boss. I I think he and he has a house and he has. A well, I wouldn't frame it in terms of classism necessarily. Mm. I would frame it in terms of. I don't know if there's a term for it, but it's almost as though he's flaunting his money in her face, not because he's a higher class than her, but because he feels more stable than her hmm. or something. Well, and, I mean, and it's, it's, and it's, it's also, it's also a way for him to swing his dick around yes. metaphorically. Of course, he feels that he can, he has enough money to pay her off and get her away and make that unpleasantness go away. And I mean, this is probably one of Joey Lauren Adams's finer scenes that she's acted in her career, but that, you know, 
your wife tastes like kiwi fruit and rain and she wants to taste it like a penny you know and that that's the i mean i don't think she's talking about her lips yeah that's a huge fuck you to max uh i fucked your wife right (laughs) right yeah at the end of the day no amount of money is going to change the fact that your wife was with me. And interestingly enough, the the, the choice of, of pronoun in that scene is not incidental yeah. either because she does say your wife. Yes. She. Yeah. Because she was very, very clear about always calling Buck he and him. And now yeah. she's not. So. I mean, she very, she at this point certainly understands that she loved Buck and. Certainly her saying, you know, your wife is – she's doing this to hurt Max double what he just hurt her. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. Well, I think there's uh, two other things that I want to mention before we wrap this episode up. Okay. Uh, number one is uh, I love the fact that Shoshana drinks tab. <laughs> yeah. It's just such a perfect little <laughs> detail. And uh, we didn't really talk a lot about the Toronto stuff. I don't – like again, the spelling error. Yeah, like I didn't really yeah. like that episode very much, so I don't know if it was just a joke that they thought was funny and drove into the well, ground or not. But I, I'm like, is there any sort of thematic resonance to that? I don't know. I mean, I think that it's something that the adult characters like Toronto, huh? That's funny, you know. When when they're at he's when Max is at the neighbor's house, it's just uh, oh, that's weird. Um, for Marshall, this is one thing that he controls. People are doing this wrong, and standards are going, and I can stop this. He can't break up with Courtney. He can't fix his mother. He can't give his sister direction. He can't fuck Lionel, you know, but he can call, and he can affect the world. I, I think it's partially that, I mean, he, he again, he's 15. When you're 15 and you can do a little something to change the world, that's really when you're first able to have a certain degree of power and yeah. you know marshall is fairly powerless in his life right now in most aspects i think this is just the one area that he's able to have control over yeah i'll buy that yeah and that it is such a stupid you know thing in, which in, he even frames as like there are non-native english speakers here yeah not know exactly what toronto means and you're like well maybe <laughs> but even if somebody had no idea what a toronto meant you know if that was the one word that nobody understand they would still see gigantic you know splotches of red over the map and see warning and you know someone talking about evacuation also if they're non-native english speakers and they don't well, I guess non-native English speakers, so they would do speak English. I was about to say, if they don't speak English, why are they watching English television? Yeah, yeah they would speak English. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's certainly a, st- you know, that, that, that's bullshit. This is just a typo that was made because, you know, the new, there's more important stuff going on. I would overstate the importance of this, but, like, I, I just love the phrasing of that. He's like, do you, want, do you know that the word <laughs> tornado is being systematically misspelled yes. on your television <laughs> channel? I know. He like may- it's some sort of conspiracy yes! or something. And he's uncovering it. <laughs> it's like, I know what you guys are doing. You're trying to kill all the brown people. Oh, Marshall. Oh, Marshall. I don't know. I liked Toronto in terms of, a co- I mean, visually, I like the show, that that episode. I really like the shot when they're all looking at the tor- Toronto. Um, and frankly, the ending when everything's destroyed and Tara's just wandering off. I mean, that's a really no, it looks nicely. Nice. Yeah. I just don't know what it adds up to. That's well, we'll find out. It we really, will. Sc- tornadoes scare the fuck out of me. Like they can really destroy a neighborhood like that. Oh my god. Yeah. That's so scary. Why it, would anyone live in a tornado zone? 
That's where they were born. I was born in New in Brooklyn, and I'm in Portland right now. Well, you're not most people. Mm. All right. Well, if you have any thoughts on either the episodes of United States of Terror we just discussed, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuninginshow.com. You can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash truckaboutshow, which coincidentally enough also supports our other podcast, Trekabout. We are in the seventh season of Deep Space Nine right now, getting towards the end. <laughs> and what are we going to do when it's done? Um, Drink a lot? I don't drink. Do whatever it is you do to get through the day? Hmm. Beat people up? Is I that what you beat do? Beat someone up? There's a lot of people I'd like to beat up. I always offer to beat people up for other people, and no one ever takes me seriously. Richard has a rage problem. So yes, please do go to patreon.com slash truckaboutshow and give generously. We are also on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our username is Tuning In Show. Follow us, like us, retweet us, share us. Respond to us. Whatever the kids are doing these days. They're doing like those invisible link messages we're, and like these smiley faces that are like the size of your phone now. We're not on Snapchat yet, but maybe we will be. What is the point of Snapchat? I don't understand. Dick pics. I can get those anyway. That's what Tumblr's for. All right. Then. <laughs> I have all the answers. Yes. And as always, please leave us an iTunes review for tuning in. It is the best way for new people to find the show and also make us feel great. Next week, we're going to be talking about the United States of Terror episodes. Now, I don't know if this name is right or not, or I don't know if it's being uh, expunged, but uh, it's Department of Effed Up Family Services hmm. or Fucked Up Family I Services. I thought it said fucked up on Netflix, but we'll find out. We'll find out. Uh, and then Explosive Diorama. Ugh. The pun is strong with this week. Mac, why do you...